it's crazy how God has made things. A couple of things as you're turning in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter um, chapter number 2, where we're going to be at today. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 30. I want to make a couple of name, a couple of things aware to you. Um, the kids that are going to be at, uh, presenting their Look Up Lodge um, event today, if you'll be here at 5 o'clock, that way that you guys can go through a couple of things, go through some songs that you're going to do. Um, this Wednesday we are having our annual conference um, just to make you aware of the couple of things we're going to be talking or voting on. We'll be voting on our budget. We'll be voting on our officers and our teachers. We'll be voting on our deacon candidates. We'll be having that vote there. And then we presented this last Wednesday about our renovation of the old sanctuary. Um, and so we'll be presenting that for vote to move forward as well as to take out the cost of that loan. If you have any questions about that, see Brian or Eric, Brian, the chairman of the deacons, or Eric, our treasurer. If you have any questions about that before Wednesday. And then the last thing I want to mention is we are going to be doing, we are having a school supply drive for Hid Night. Um, some stuff has already been brought in. I'm going to take that over there tomorrow. Um, but you can still bring stuff in until Wednesday just to help out the school there for some, un, some kids that need some help. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Um, their notes are provided for you in the bulletin to help you follow along. Um, we're going to stand in honor of reverence of this word. And just one verse today, and we'll go through this quite briefly today. So if you'll stand out of the honor of God's word, and we'll read this. It says this, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Father, we just come and thank you for this day. We thank you for another time in church. Time to come before your word, a time to open up your word and, and see what you have for us. And I just thank you, Father, for these thoughts that you've given me. They've convicted me as I've been studying. And I just pray that you'll help me to present this in the right attitude and with what you would have me to say. In your name we pray. Amen. So I've been sort of entitled, this may become a series. It may not, but I've entitled it, I Will Honor God, sort of talking about us. But for this message specifically, I have entitled it, Those That Honor Me. And when we talk about those that honor me, you're not talking about me or someone in here. We're talking about God. And so those that honor me. And so we're going to look at this statement of, of who we're honoring. Are we honoring God with our life or are we honoring self? And we're going to look through this story. We're going to be in 1 Samuel the entire time. We'll go from chapter 1 to chapter 3. And we'll look through the life of these two individuals. And we'll see through this how we are gaining a better understanding of what it means to actually honor God. Um, and so, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background, just to sort of set the stage of where we're at in the history of this particular uh, passage of Scripture. Um, so, in this particular time, if you go back just a couple of pages, five or six pages, in the very end of the book of Judges, okay, it ends the book of Judges by saying this, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And so the children of Israel were living a life that was honoring themselves. I'm sure some people were doing good. As we were in New York and, and we were helping out, um, we went to a several different locations. We went, and we went even to an imam, to a, a Muslim um, temple. We got to go into a service there, at a Muslim service, and we got to learn about their culture. 
Um, and they were even talking about the good things that they do. They help out the needy. They have a food kitchen. They do, they do all these other good things. And so when it says that every man did watch right which was in his own eyes, it doesn't mean that they were all doing evil. But it means that they were doing everything without consulting God. And without giving God any glory for what was going on in their life. So that's where Judges ends off. We go through the book of Ruth. But then we pick up in 1 Samuel. And we're opened up with 1 Samuel with a, nanny, a name of a lady called Hannah. And Hannah's introduced to us and she gives us an awesome prayer for a child to be born. She wanted a child and uh, we see um, that she goes through this time of prayer and intercessory. And so that's sort of where we're going to pick up where we're at. And so we're going to be looking at two basic differences. The one is honoring God or honoring ourselves, And that's what we're going to spend the next couple of minutes on. And so to open up this, our first point that we're going to look at is honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. Honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 24 through 28, it says this, And when she had weaned him, which is Hannah talking about her son, Samuel, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephod of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young, probably a year to a year and a half, two years old. And they had slew the bullock and brought the child to Eli, which was the priest at the time. And she said, O oh my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him unto the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So Hannah knew she had came before God. She had came before the prophet. She was on the steps of the tabernacle, and she was praying a sincere, honest, open, I'm sure she was probably weeping before the Lord, to get a child. During this time in Scripture, during this time in history, women that didn't have children were almost shunned. They were looked down upon. They were lower than all the other women because God did not bless them with, women, with a child. And so we see here that Hannah wanted this blessing she wanted this honor of having a child so she began to pray and earnestly pray and Eli came to her while she was praying and said Hannah your prayers are going to be answered by God and she said if I, my prayers are answered I will give that child back to God for the rest of his days and so we see here that Hannah had that child and she had an opportunity she had a, a time and a point in her life of deciding what she was going to do God gave her a child. She said that if she got a child, she was going to give him back to the Lord. And so what was she going to do? Could she come and just give a sacrifice of some, some goats and some bulls and, and give the, the tabernacle some, some stuff to make up for it? Or was she going to present the best thing she had? The Bible says, and use this word, lent, as to offer upon request. So she requested something. And the Lord gave her this child, and so she was giving it back. It's not like when someone comes, your neighbor comes to you and says, Hey, can I borrow your lawnmower? And you're like, Sure, you can borrow my lawnmower. And so you let them borrow it, expecting to get it back in return, and three years later, they still haven't given it back to you. Has that happened to anyone where you let someone borrow something, and they just sort of take it as their own, and they never give it back? 
Okay, that's not what it's talking about here. That's, that, it's not a borrow. It didn't say that she was letting the temple borrow Samuel. She was saying, I was giving it completely to him. And so we have to ask ourselves, God has given us things. And whatever I have, I have to make it available unto the Lord. I, I, I always say it like this. Times, talents, and treasures. Whatever time I have, I need to make available to the Lord. Whatever talents that I have, I need to make it available to the Lord. And whatever treasures I have, I need to make it available to the Lord. And if we look at ourselves and we begin to examine our lifestyles and we say that people that honor the Lord, God is going to honor them back, are we giving our best to the Lord? Are we presenting everything we possibly can as the best? Or are we giving him the leftovers? And this is a hard hard thing to think about it's a hard thing to talk about because in american christianity we don't want to talk about sacrifices we don't want to talk about giving god our best we want to say well i've got to take care of my needs and then i'll give god the rest but god is saying he wants the best of your time he wants the best of your talents he wants the best of your treasures and we have to be a people that when we examine our lives we're able to say i'm presenting my best to the lord now, it may not appear the best to someone else. Someone else may look at it and say, wow, I can't believe they're only giving that. But it's between you and God what you're giving the best to. Because God has blessed us all differently. And so the first little point here, God, honoring God involves presenting the best to the Lord. But honoring self is this. Honoring self involves keeping back the best for our pleasure. Honoring self involves keeping back the best for our pleasure. We're going to look here. We saw Hannah and how Hannah gave the best that she had. The best thing for a woman at this time was a child. And she gave that back to God. Now we're going to look at Eli's sons, which were Hophni and Phinehas. It's a fun word to say, Hophni and Phinehas. Um, but in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we look at their life and what the Bible says about them. And we're going to compare these two as we go forward. It says, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord, and the priest's customs, and the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servants came, while the flesh was seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand, and he struck the pan or the kettle or the cauldron or pot, all that the flesh hook brought up by the priest took for himself. So did it in Shiloh all the Israelites that came thither. So this was the custom. Also before the burnt before they burnt the fat, the priest servants came and said to the man of the sacrifice, Give flesh of roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and to take as much as the soul desireth, then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it to me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, and the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Now, that was a lot of words, and I'm sure some of you are just trying to figure out exactly what I said because I read fast. So I'm going to break that down for us. Uh, the first part it says here, it says they were the sons of Belial. If you translate that word Belial, it means worthless. So the Bible is saying here that these sons were sons of worthlessness. They had no worth to them. In fact, it began to go through here, and it said that the Lord clearly described in the book of Leviticus exactly how the priest we're supposed to handle the sacrifices. This is where other people coming and giving a sacrifice to the Lord, an offering to the Lord. And it said that the priest 
when the animal that they had burnt as a burnt offering were cooked, as it was completely done, there was no more blood, all the fat had burned off, they would take a fork and they would shove it into the animal, and whatever was brought back, that was their meal. That was how the, pe- the priests were paid. And so Hophni and Phinehas began, at, I'm sure this doesn't happen first off, but what they began to do was they began to say, hey, before that gets all the way cooked, I'm going to cut some off for me. I'm going to eat it because it's a little bit better. The meat would be burnt. There would be no more blood. Some of you like well-done steaks. How many of you like well-done steaks in here? Okay, this was a well-done steak. I'm a medium steak. Okay, my wife, I've converted her. She is now a medium rare steak, which I can't even do, but she likes that. And so they were wanting the medium rare steak because this was a bullock. This was a cow. This was an animal. And they were wanting that steak still a little raw, as the Bible said. And so they were disobeying God because they wanted the best for themselves. And so what had happened was, I'm sure at first, right before it got to where it was supposed to be done and they could take some, they went in and took a little bit. And then they realized, you know what? I'm taking about a pound or half a pound of meat with this flesh hook. I'm sure they knew exactly how much they were taking off. It wasn't a guesstimation they begin to know exactly so as they begin bringing the offerings they begin to say you know what go ahead and cut a pound of meat off I'm gonna cook that for myself I'm not gonna offer that to God I'm gonna offer that to myself and then God can have the rest so they began little by little justifying the things that they were doing to soothe their own conscience and so they even made the statement at one point that I am offering my whole life in service to God therefore I can keep back the best for myself. And so these, these two young men were doing some very horrible things, and they began to justify it in and of themselves because they were keeping back the best for themselves. They were not honoring God. And we're going to see what happens here in just a minute with that. So let's look at the second point here. Honoring God means that I must keep him as the one I please. The first one is honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. The second is honoring God means that I must keep him as the one that I please. It says in 1 Samuel 1, 28, we read it just a minute ago in the very last part of that, and he worshiped the Lord there. This kid, this young child Samuel, was raised in this tabernacle, and it says that as a child, he began to worship the Lord there. We look a little bit later on in 1 Samuel chapter 2, 11. And it says, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. He was actually doing things before Eli the priest and ministering to the priest before the Lord. Everything he did, even as a child, he said, I want to be consumed with pleasing God. And I wonder and I ask myself, is everything that I'm doing consumed with pleasing God? Is everything that we're doing consumed with pleasing God? As a child, as Samuel, he began to focus completely and entirely on God. Nothing came in his way that wasn't honoring God. And so many times in life we get distracted by things that happen. We get distracted by the the hustle and bustle of life. And we begin to say, I'm not completely and continually and entirely focused on God. But as Christians, as young people, as even older adults, we should be completely consumed with his word. And we should be focused on his word so that we're so much in everything that we do, we're giving honor to him. And if we're not completely and 
utterly focused on God, then we're going to be completely and utterly focused on self. And that's what we see here. Honoring self means that I will keep self as the one I please. Certainly Eli's sons were focused on themselves. And as we take a closer look into Eli's son's life, we began to see that Eli was involved in the same things. The father was backing up the son's actions. And so we're going to look at that in 1 Samuel 2.29. It says, Wherefore kick you at my sacrifice, a prophet had came to Eli. Let me give you the background. A prophet had come to Eli, and he had said some things to Eli. And he said, Wherefore, why are you kicking at my sacrifice or at my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation? And then this is the key word here. And honorest thou sons above me. You have made yourself fat with the cheapest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. So we looked at how Eli's sons were taking of the offering. Their father knew about it, and their father was partaking in the same things. Their father was almost condoning what was going on. We've got kids in our county that are quote-unquote gender confused at five and six years old. And what are the parents responding to that? I'll go ahead and buy them the clothes they think they are. I'll go ahead and let them be confused. I'll go ahead and honor their wishes. Man, I've never seen a generation, and I grew up, when if I ever told my mom and dad what to do, a good hand would come across the face. <laughs> okay, and, and by the agreeing of nods in here, I'm sure that happened to several of us in here as well. But I, I'll walk through Walmart, and all of a sudden, a kid will tell a parent, this is how it's going to be. And the parent goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that for you. And all of a sudden, we've got a generation of parents who are not standing up, and this isn't a new thing. Like, we see this, and we're like, wow, how could that even happen? But this was 4,000 years ago. And Eli was allowing his sons to dictate his life. The other day on Friday, I was listening to a podcast, um, and, and it went through how a 12-year-old girl didn't like the way that the girl's clothes fit on her. And so she asked her mom to go shopping for her and get her some boy clothes. Because boy clothes fit better, and I'm okay with if girls wear some boys clothes that's fine sometimes you want to be more modest or whatever but what had happened was the mom started doing it and the girl began to say you know what I fit better in boys clothes so I'm gonna start identifying as a boy and the mom said okay I'll start buying you more and the mom began to reinforce this thought and begin to reinforce these sins of the children and as I begin to see this I see that sometimes we begin to justify our sins in that first part by reasoning say, of saying, you know what, I really like that, so I'm going to do it. I think it's okay if I really like it. The devil deceives us by thinking that a little bit of something is okay. At VBS this past year, I was got to sit in on several different classes. I try to work my way around so I can be a part of all the classes, so I can see what's going on. And I got to sit in on Donna's class of our middle school um, kids. And she began teaching a lesson, and uh, I like food. So anytime someone talks about food, it sticks a little bit better with me. And so she pulled out a fresh baked pan of brownies. And Donna, she makes some pretty good brownies. I'm sure y'all have had them in here before. Okay, she began putting them, she put them up on the table and she said, and some of my middle schoolers are probably remembering this. She said, I've made these brownies. I came home from work, I started putting them together and I made the brownies. And she said, I made one mistake. I accidentally used a scoop that had dog poop on it. 
And so there may be a little bit of dog poop in these brownies, but it's just a little bit. It's not going to be that bad. And we're going to cut them up later, and you're going to be able to eat some brownies. And she said, how many of you in here want to eat the brownies? And, of course, most of them said, no, I want to eat it. A couple of the guys, you know, big macho, I'll eat some brownies. I don't care. That little dog poop never hurt nobody. All right. So all of a sudden, they use this illustration of just a little bit of something ruined the whole brownies. It ruined everything about it. Now, of course, it didn't have dog poop in it, and we fed them good brownies. But it goes to say that just a little bit begins to turn into a lot. And we begin to see these things in our life. If we allow the devil to have a little bit of foothold on something, he's going to have a lot of foothold later. I'm reading a book right now. Um, it's called From This Day Forward. I read three specific types of books. I read books that are going to help me personally. I read books that are going to help me spiritually. And I read books that are going to help me historically because I like history. And so right now I'm in this personal help book, and it's a book about marriage. And he's titled it From This Day Forward Out of the Marriage Vows. It's by Craig Rochelle, one of my favorite preachers. Um, and he is writing this book, and he is in the first chapter. And when I read it, I stopped when I got done reading this passage, and I gave it to my wife, and I said, you've got to read this. It blew my mind when I read it, because this is how he goes along by saying it. He said, talking about the little things, talking about honoring yourself above God. He said, all stats and all statistics tell us that 50% of all marriages end in divorce, correct? Even in the church now, we're seeing 50% of all marriages end in divorce. My mom and dad's divorced. Um, my wife's parents are divorced. My wife's father's been married four times, five times. Her mom's been married three times. And so divorce is in our family. So I'm not talking just to bash anyone or to say it's in our family as well. So it's something that we have to be aware of and we're... I'm constantly trying to improve my marriage. It's a big part of my life. Been married almost nine years now. So it's something I want to continue to work on. And so as he went through and he's talking about the statistic, he said this. He said, if you know that your favorite cereal, so my favorite cereal right now because I have kids is anything with marshmallows in it. Okay, because kids don't like cereal unless it's got marshmallows in it. Uh, but my all-time favorite cereal is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. So every once in a while, I'll be able to sneak that in the buggy, and the kids will eat it. And so I'll have a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. And let's just say for a moment, I'm sitting there in the morning eating my cereal, scrolling through Facebook, looking through social media, doing whatever I do in the morning. And I come across an article that said, eating cinnamon toast crunch is 50% likely for you to die of cancer. And I began thinking, and, I, and as, a, as a person who likes to fact check things, I began saying, well, maybe that's just one article. I'll go and I'll start checking everything else. And all of a sudden, I start seeing multiple articles after multiple articles of saying, if you eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch, you're going to die of cancer. You're 50% more likely to die of cancer. Do you think that I would still continue to eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch? This is a, a response. Lucas, thank you. You said no. That's good. Okay? So one person in here agreed with me and said, no, I should not continue to eat it. And so he began to go through this book and he began to say, we see patterns and we see things that hurt us and in relationships as we're working to be a better husband and a better wife we see the little things that we can improve on to make our marriages better and the devil doesn't want us to do those things and that's as he goes through this book and he talks about how if we're going to go from this day forward we've got to eliminate the things that the devil wants to put in our life 
to honor ourselves over our spouse or to honor ourselves over God. And so I just thought that was an awesome way of thinking of that, of saying, what are we honoring? Are we pleasing ourselves or are we pleasing God? And let's look at this third point. So honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. Honoring God means I put, keep Him as the one I please. And then the last one is honoring God involves an acceptance of life's problems. An acceptance of life's problems. In 1 Samuel 3.18 it says this, And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. And so to give you a background of that, Samuel as a young child most scholars think he was 10 to 12 years old. He's laying in bed. I'm sure you heard this story in Sunday school at some point. He's laying in bed, and he hears a voice, Samuel, Samuel. And he wakes up, and he runs into the room of Eli, and he says, Eli, you called me. And Eli said, that wasn't me. Go back to sleep. Okay, normal kid waking up in the middle of the night, coming to your room. Parents, you know my pain. It happens. More my wife's pain. She deals with that stuff more than I do. Um, second time. Samuel wakes up, runs into Eli's room and says, Eli, you, you, you called me. You, you told me to come in here. What do you need? Eli woke up, rubbed the sleep out of his eyes and said, what do you mean? I didn't call you. And as he began thinking, he began saying, he said, Samuel, it's not me that's calling you. It's the Lord. And the next time the Lord wakes you up, sit up and say, Lord, here I am. What do you want? And so sure enough, he went back to bed. The Lord called him out again and said, Samuel, Samuel. He sat up. He said, Lord, here I am. What do you need? And if you're following along in verse 15, I believe, of chapter 1, um, it says this. I'm sorry, in chapter 3. Chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli. Oh, I'm sorry, let's go back to verse 13. It says, For I told him that I would judge his house forever. So the Lord is saying that he's already talked to Eli, and he's already told him that he's going to judge his house forever by that prophet that came for the guilt which he knew because his sons are cursed that sons of Belial and he did not rebuke them therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall be anointed for which a sacrifice nor offering forever Samuel lay until the morning and this is a, a, a very very powerful verse verse 15 Samuel lay until the morning then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Now Samuel feared to report the vision to Eli. Then Eli called Samuel, and Samuel said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here am I. And then we read verse 17. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord has spoken of you? So Samuel was presented with a huge moment in his life. The Lord had spoken to him, and the Lord had told him, Eli's sons are going to die. Eli is going to die because they have put themselves above God. They were not someone that honored him. And so Samuel was, as a child, was given this information, and then Eli came to him and said, what did the Lord tell you? So he was faced with a huge problem. I mean, he's a child, and he has information that the Lord told him. And then Samuel even went on, Eli, Eli even went on to say, if you don't tell me, the same is going to happen to you. And so Samuel began to present what the Lord had told him. And it was not a very easy thing for Samuel to do. Because Samuel understood, I have got to, if I'm going to be honored by God, I've got to put life's problems behind me and accept what God wants me to do. Honoring self may give lip service 
to obeying God, but that is all that it does. And we can't just give lip service to God. Plainly put, Eli had just given lip service to serving God. He said, I'm going to be a priest and I'm going to serve you as the people. But instead, he put his kids over everything else. And so we as a church and we as young people even in home have to understand what is God really calling us to do? What is God wanting us to do? And so when we look at this word honor, as I'm closing, as I'm winding down, as we look at this word honor, it's used in both a verb and a noun throughout scripture. And so we have to look at how it's used. And as um, Glenn read this morning, earlier, in Psalm 66, verses 1 and 2, it says, Make a joyful noise unto God all the lands. Sing, for, uh, sing forth the honor of his name and make his praises glorious. In this specific verse, it's talking about something tangible, something we can possess. Sing forth the praises. Do something. As a noun, it's talking about that here. And it's saying that God can actually give you honor if you look to him. But the verse that we looked at in 1 Samuel 2.30 is actually used as a verb. And it says this. It says that as we give honor to God, he will honor us as a verb. And this word honor means to be heavy or to give weight to or something that is weighty upon our life. And so things that are important to us are going to be weighty if i if i believe that my marriage is important it's going to put a massive weight on my body because i want to make sure my marriage is right if i believe that being a good father is the right thing to do it's going to put a weight on my life and god says if we're going to honor him it's something that's going to be weighty on our life it's going to be of importance in our life and we've got to give that honor and give that worthiness to him and so very quickly two illustrations i want to illustrate this by when we think that it's what I think is right or the style that I like is right that is not the importance that God is saying it's like this if I love my wife and I want my wife to be happy I may go and buy her a new purse and by buying her a new purse she's gonna be happy therefore I'm gonna be happy right all men you think so you think if you give something to your wife She's going to be happy, so your life is going to be happy. A lot of times we take that same illustration and we put it towards God. We say, you know what, God wants me to do this, and so I'm going to do it so that God's happy, so that I'm happy. But that's not how God works. God says, if you honor me, I'm going to honor you. And it's not about being happy. It's about doing what is honoring to God, not what I think is honoring to God. And so it's a hard thing to think about because we often say it's not really, we have to sort of put our mind in focus and say it's not really what's important to me. It's what's important to God. It's what's important to what he wants me to think of and he wants me to do. I'm going to give an old illustration. There's probably only a couple people in here maybe even know this. But I came across this commercial this past week. My kids like to watch YouTube and so weird things come up on my phone sometimes. But how many of you have you ever heard of the name E.F. Hutton? couple people good I was hoping that a couple of you know this all right so in the 1970s and 80s E.F. Hutton was an accountant and a financial advisor <clears throat> and over the course of a couple of years they produced some commercials for E.F. Hutton and there was a couple of them one is while he's on a, a airplane and one is in a school room and several other different places but they're talking about their finances and one guy asks another guy hey who does your accounting and he said, well, E.F. Hutton does my accounting. 
And all of a sudden, if you've seen the commercials, everything gets real quiet. And everybody starts looking at the guys who are talking. And then the commercial comes across and it says, when E.F. Hutton speaks, anybody know the rest? People listen. All right. And so, as I got to thinking about that, I got to thinking, in this thought of honor, in this thought of weight, when God speaks, do I listen? When God's word is presented to me, and he says, I want to do something in your life, and I want you to do something, and, and he, he moves your heart in a certain way, are we listening? As people would listen, and everyone would stop when E.F. Hutton would talk, are we listening that same way with God? I, every, every year, it seems like, I have a teenager or several teenagers that come up to me and they say, Pastor James, I don't know God's will for my life. What am I supposed to do? And I, I go to Scripture and I say, you need to be in God's Word and you need to be praying. Because that's how you're going to know what God wants you to do with your life. And I say to them, you need to follow your heart. Because the Bible says that He gives us the desires of our heart. And the Bible also says that our heart is deceitfully wicked and no man can know it. So it's really confusing. It's like, well, am I supposed to, is God going to give me the desires of my heart, but I don't even know what my heart says because it's deceitfully wicked and no man can know it. It's like really confusing. And I tell them this. I say, listen, if your heart is in tune with God's word, then God is going to be the one directing your heart. And he's going to be the one leading you in the right way. Now, we have the opportunity and the option of saying, Am I going to listen to God's word? Am I going to please God? Or am I going to do what I want to do? And that's the difficult part of our life. So as the musicians come, I want to wind this down and, and, and say it like this. Samuel valued the wisdom of God. He valued the ways of God. And he valued the word of God. When God came to him, and he spoke audibly to Samuel. Now, we don't get an audible speaking of God. I really wish we did make life a lot easier if God would just come down and speak to us but he doesn't because he's already spoke to us through his word and so through God's word we have to value that above everything else when Samuel valued the wisdom of God and it said this is what I want you to do and that hard time came when he had to present that information to Eli he trusted God's wisdom over his own wisdom and through the ways of God, he trusted that God was going to protect him and was going to love and take care of him. Samuel let none of God's words get him. He caught on to them. It went on to the end of that verse, and it says in verse 18, or verse 19, it says, Samuel told him everything in verse 19, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did not let any of his words fall to the ground. He memorized God's word, he put it in his heart, and he allowed those things to grow in his life and so as the musicians play i want to give us three things to think about as we go into our time of imitation i want to ask you this maybe you've sat here maybe you've been in church your whole life and maybe you've said you know what i haven't really listened to the words of the lord through salvation through surrender through service of saying god i want to please you with my life maybe you're sitting here and and we talked about this morning in Sunday school class how made a decision as a child and really haven't followed through those decisions and you want to recommit those things to the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I've been honoring myself over honoring God. And it's easy to do. 
in a self-driven society in the America that we live in, it is extremely easy to focus on ourself. And so maybe you're going to say, I need to recommit who I'm actually focusing on. And then the last one I want to put is, maybe you're here today and you need to say, God, I need your wisdom and your direction in my life. We've got some kids that are going off to college. Some kids that are starting college and some that are ending college and they're trying to figure out what God wants them to do with their life. Maybe you need to say, direct my child. Direct me as a person in the ways that I should go. And so that's what I've got for us. I'm going to pray and the altars are going to be open. I'll be down front to pray with anyone that needs my prayer. Father, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for these thoughts. Thank you for what you've allowed us to see through these scripture and through this life of Samuel. In your name we pray. Amen. Everyone, please stand. Page 657. Cleanse me. Thank you for being here today. I want you to come back tonight. We help send kids to kids camp every year, and I want you to be able to see what they are able to hear and what they're able to experience while they're there. And so if you're part of that, 5 o'clock be back here, 6 o'clock will be the service. And uh, if you want some information as far as finance, it is out here for the new year budget. Um, it's here as well as outside, and so we'll be voting on all that Wednesday. So we'll go ahead and pray. Uh, we go and pray for us, Roy. Close us out.